Our reading comes from John's Gospel in John 20, and I'll invite one of the Elsies to read for us. It was still the first day of the week. That evening, while the disciples were behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities, Jesus came and stood among them. He said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins and they are forgiven, if you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. Thomas, the one called Didymus, one of the twelve, wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he replied, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger in the wounds left by the nails and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. After eight days, his disciples were again in a house, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus entered and stood among them. He said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my side. No more disbelief. Believe. Thomas responded to Jesus, My Lord and my God. Jesus replied, Do you believe because you see me? Happy are those who don't see and yet believe. Then Jesus did many other miraculous signs in his disciples' presence, signs that aren't recorded in this scroll. But these things are written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, God's Son, and that believing you will have life in his name. Word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be God. Thanks, Ken. So another opportunity for us to interact here. Um, uh, pull up the chat section, and my question, my guiding question for us this morning is, what is your greatest source of unpeace during lockdown? Your greatest source of unpeace during lockdown. You can go ahead and type it in. Um, all these things are so real that are popping up. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if any of these very unpeaceful thoughts were circulating in the locked room of the disciples following Jesus' death on Calvary. Like, in addition to the really acute post-traumatic stress of losing their friend and mentor in a really gory and public shaming and abrupt death, they also had to be fearful that a similar death might not find them, hence why the door was locked. They had to have an unpeace related to their own physical wellness. Maybe this is a thought that some of y'all are feeling. Beyond that grief and beyond that fear, they had to be experiencing grief and fear related to the death of their expectations and their plans. Not long before Jesus' death, the Zebedee brothers were vying for a place on his right and on his left. Do we remember that story? So there had to be some sort of slow rolling wave of unpeace related to the fact that none of their plans were now going to come true. Maybe you're in the quarantine 
process where that slow rolling wave is starting to crest and you're feeling all of those canceled plans and, and it's creating a whole lot of grief. Add on to that on peace was some measure of economic insecurity. Their finances had to be a wreck. Their ability to live was up in the air. After all, the fishermen among them had left their nets to follow this now crucified teacher. You had to think if they went back now, they'd be damaged goods and they're far from the port of Galilee. Maybe this, maybe the unpeace haven't e hadn't even begun to hit them at how drastically their work was interrupted or would permanently be changed. After all, they'd spent the previous three or so years daily preaching good news to the poor, giving sight to the blind, binding up the broken, and delivering the captives, proclaiming jubilee, and now they were huddled in a locked room. All of these things were threatened, not a whole lot of peace. But in this gospel reading, I think some of the good news of this gospel is that this is the first day of the week. Maybe that's John's sneaky way of inferring that while it probably felt like day 800 of their self-imposed quarantine for fear of religious authorities, it was actually the first day of something new. I think there are echoes of Genesis language that even in lockdown, there might be a good day of new creation coming for them, for us. On this first day, they are met behind closed doors by the risen Jesus and the risen Christ comes bearing peace. He comes to, it says, stand in the middle of them. And he speaks three times in this short passage. When anyone says something three times in scripture, it's not magic, but you better pay attention to it because they really mean it. He comes and he says, peace be with you. Jesus is saying the same thing to you and I this morning. Peace be with you. This is simple, but maybe it's all you need to hear today. Peace be with you. Maybe you just need to hear peace be with you in the middle of all of these forces of unpeace that have been spinning around in your head all week. Christ comes offering peace. Ephesians 2 tells us that Christ indeed by the cross has become our peace. In that way, the medium is the message, right? Um, Jesus breaks down the walls of hostility and enters into locked rooms to be our peace. I think this is also a sequel to last week's proclamation at the tomb side when uh, the angel said, Jesus is not here. Don't go looking for him in a dead place where he's being controlled or being predictable. Don't assume that he can't and won't come to you in the place where you are currently isolated. Jesus is entering and standing among us in the middle of lockdown speaking peace. I've been really surprised just in the last couple of weeks, the ways that I've seen Jesus standing in the middle of us during this time apart, uh, mostly small things. I, I've asked uh, Rach a couple of times, like, 
is spring always this amazing or is it just because I'm paying attention to it now? Like to be able to, to walk the neighborhood and see, actually see these flowers that I normally drive by and don't pay any mind to. I, I see uh, Gerard Manley Hopkins talks about Christ playing in 10,000 places through uh, all of these little um, uh, incursions of beauty around us. Um, I've seen uh, Christ among us just in the interactions across the street with neighbors who normally keep to themselves. Um, Everyone, it it almost feels like I grew up in Florida and and so we did a lot of boating. And when you're boating, you, uh, and you pass someone, you always wave at them. It's like kind of the sign that everything's okay. And if you don't wave, like you might be being kidnapped or everything might not be okay, right? And so everyone waves and it feels like like that's what's happening just on our streets. So you pass someone and, and you wave and normally you would have your earbuds in or normally you wouldn't pay any attention. And I think in those interactions and in those surprising interactions, Christ is showing up in our midst. I've seen this as our uh, neighborhood ministry has expanded so much of church life feels like it's contracting, but it's actually expanded on Sunday afternoons uh, when I get to be with people and meet uh, people. And, and last Sunday, I got to use one of one of my most dreaded technologies, the individual communion K-cup. Uh, we, we got to actually uh, offer Christ's body in blood uh, for uh, some folks from the neighborhood who uh, wanted to celebrate Christ's resurrection. Um, Uh, with us even though we're apart. I'm seeing Christ show up in our midst in the sort of creativity that's happening, both in the, in the ways that um, you all are creatively loving each other. And uh, even in something like our musicians, the way that, that our time apart has sparked their creativity in our good Friday music, where everyone was passing around files on the internet to create some beautiful synthesis and whole. I've seen Christ standing in the middle of us, even during this isolation. There are several responses to meeting this crucified, now risen Jesus. In our passage, the first of those responses was actually joy. I think that's how we'd all like to encounter Jesus. That the disciples were able to experience This first is kind of a feather in their cap, and I think it's a real sign of God's grace to them. Sometimes, even when we're confused, even when we're dejected, God still gives us the ability to experience joy in Christ's presence, maybe even in spite of ourselves. Um, uh, I I couldn't help but think uh, about this uh, radio show podcast. Uh, Many of you know of it called On Being. A couple years ago, they had a guest named Ross Gay on, he's a poet and essayist. And the host, Krista Tippett, was talking about uh, this sort of graceful, resilient joy with Ross Gay. And in their conversation, she said, but you know, joy is our, our capacity for joy despite and through that. And she's talking about, you know, the fact that we're all going to die and things are going wrong all the time, that joy actually joins us together. It's a, leveling in a way, she says, and Roskay responds, totally, it's sort of like, uh, you know, it's joy by which the labor that will make the life that I want is possible. Um, so it's not puzzling to me that joy is, is possible in the midst of difficulty. 
to talk about joy as uh, a labor, as a work, as something that we do um, even in the face of death, even in the face of difficulty. That in the midst of lockdown, joy is possible. And Jesus meets us and shows his disciples his hands and his side scarred, and they experience joy. It is exactly these scars that, like, authenticate Jesus to them. It's the memory of the worst experience of his in their life that gives them cause for joy in his presence. I pray that for all of us today. For some of us, this is the worst experience of our life, being apart in all of the stress and all of the things uh, that, that weigh down on us. But I pray that we're still able, with Christ's presence among us, where two or more are gathered, even by Zoom, that we might have license for peace and for joy. And, and when I say that we might have peace, I don't think that this is an easy peace. We remember all the Old Testament prophets are, are really critical of those who try to paper over unpeace by just saying peace, peace, where there's no peace, right? But this might be a hard-fought and durable peace that is born by suffering. And that this might be a joy that becomes a labor of love on this new day of creation. The risen Jesus is working among us through pain and the memory of pain to bring about joy. Jesus is working in and through our pain, in and through suffering to bring about joy. Now, this isn't quite enough for Thomas, though. Thomas has one of the most unfortunate nicknames in history that is stuck. Like I think of when you were a kid uh, on the playground, you would get unfortunate nicknames. And normally that it, within a couple of years, you'd graduate, you'd get level up a grade. And normally those nicknames don't follow you. But Thomas inherits this nickname for his doubt and it sticks. And so awful. But it, it seems in Thomas that the, the same grace the other disciples have to experience immediate joy in Christ's presence doesn't quite uh, bring about the same sort of instant and satisfying joy in him. They were able to see and recognize and proclaim, we've seen the Lord. They seem to understand at some level that there's this objective reality that through death and into new life, Jesus is now the Lord over all creation. That in the, in the, the words of, of Romans, Jesus' death and resurrection gives him this range where his, his lordship and his power extends to the highest heavens and to the deepest depths. The, the, the love of Jesus goes deeper and wider and higher than we can imagine. And they seem to understand this by saying, we've seen the Lord. He's, control, he, he's in control over even death and the grave. This is the, res the same kind of recognition that happened when um, the writer of Revelation, John, uh, um, sees the risen Jesus in the beginning of the apocalypse. Revelation 1, 17 and 18 says, when I saw him, this is Jesus appearing, it says, John says, I fell like a dead man at his feet. But he put his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid, I'm the first and last and living one. I was dead, but look, 
Now I'm alive forever and always, and I have the keys to death and the grave. It seems like uh, all of Thomas's friends were able to kind of get this in an instant, that Jesus has the keys to death and the grave, and that's a uh, cause for great joy. But Thomas needs not only to see, Thomas needs to touch. Many of us are feeling this desire towards tangibility. So many of these comments that, that I was just breezing by talk about, I miss being able to hug someone. I miss being able to be with my friends. Many of us are feeling this desire towards intimacy, towards tangibility. We miss our people and it's great to see them, but we want to experience a hug or a handshake or a touch on the elbow that communicates understanding or the sort of eye contact and active listening that we don't have high enough resolution, even in our best technologies to capture that our technology lags when it even tries. So Thomas needs to touch Jesus. There's a a famous image of Thomas, the incredulity of St. Thomas by Caravaggio. You can see Thomas gets up in there. (laughs) He's not, not satisfied to sit back and see from a distance. Thomas needs to touch Jesus. Thomas needs to empathize. He like empathize means to share in the pain of. He needs to share in Jesus's wounds and he's going to share in them with his finger in his eyes. And Jesus, well, Jesus gives Thomas this grace, this gift. Jesus knows how tangible faith is and must be and doesn't chasten Thomas for it. Thomas is then able to respond with the others. But even more personally, says that that Thomas touches Jesus' side and his hands and his feet, these scars, these wounds, in response by saying, my Lord and my God. Not only for Thomas is Jesus the Lord, but he has through his intimacy and generosity become Thomas's Lord. Jesus welcomes our own exploration and our own questions and invites you to know him as the Lord, but also as your Lord. Maybe, maybe this time apart gives us the time and the space to continue to explore and to question, but also when it comes down to it, to know Jesus on a more intimate basis. Our reading closes with the whole purpose of this, this meeting, but the whole record, the whole scroll, it says, and that's so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, God's son, and that believing you will have life in his name. Friends, even in lockdown, you have been given grace and peace. Those, those are kind of sign-off words for St. Paul, but um, I invite you to explore those realities, that, that you've been given both grace and peace.
you had been met by the risen Christ himself, maybe in sneaky, small ways. I invite you to have eyes and ears to see and to hear and to expect to meet Jesus. You have been given the gift of the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and who is resurrecting us. You have been forgiven and you have been given the strength and the courage and the trust to forgive others. This is all the good news. You're allowed to doubt and to explore and to remember both joy and pain. You can feel all these things and you can feel them in front of the God who knows how that it all feels. And you're invited to wake up once again, or maybe you're invited to wake up for the first time tomorrow to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, God's son, and that in believing you and I might have life in his name, full, overflowing, abundant resurrection life. That's the good news. Amen. Will you all pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for this story that is wrought with fear and uncertainty and meets us in a time of fear and uncertainty and fatigue and all of these feelings. Uh, Lord, you are not a dispassionate God, but a God who knows pain and um, invites us to Uh, feel your wounds. Lord, give us um, hearts that uh, feel deeply. Um, Give us minds that are um, courageous and guided by the hope of faith and the ability to receive your grace. Lord, continue to enter into our lives and speak peace. Peace in all of the Um, unpeaceful circumstances, whether that be family life or work life or economics or uh, loneliness, all of the things mentioned. And Lord, thanks for uh, the life that you offer us by your spirit. We give you thanks for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.